Hello listeners, welcome back to Designing the Robot Revolution, where we're not just observers of the future, we're active participants, moulding it with intentionality and design. I'm David Griffith-Jones. And I am Jacob Magnol. Today we're embarking on a journey into that green horizon, where AI meets environmental action. We are diving into a topic that merges innovation with sustainability. How AI is not just shaping our world, but nurturing it all seen through the lens of design. Absolutely, Jacob. And at the heart of our discussion is something called the European Green Deal. For those who might not be familiar, it's an ambitious plan by the European Union aimed at making Europe the first climate-neutral continent by 2050. It focuses on cutting emissions, investing in green tech, and protecting the natural environment, all whilst ensuring this transition is just and inclusive for all. Imagine this. AI that doesn't just serve us, but serves the planet. We're talking smart agriculture that feeds the world more efficiently, cities where energy use is in harmony with nature, and industries that thrive using a circular economy. It's a design challenge for sure, but one that is exciting and essential. And speaking of circular economies, envision our world as a kind of library of resources where items are borrowed, enjoyed and returned, not discarded. AI is the librarian ensuring everything is meticulously indexed, cared for and circulated, promoting a culture of reuse and repurpose. And that's where the real magic of design comes into play. It's not about aesthetics, for sure not, but about making technology work for the greater good. In our dialogues about AI and automation, we are looking for human needs, along with the planets, and we want that to be embedded into every innovation. So, whether you're doodling the next big idea or programming the next AI marvel, remember, it's human-centric approaches that breathe life into technology. Today, we're exploring how AI can be a formidable ally in realizing the European Green Deal transforming this vision into reality with a little help from design. And speaking of transforming visions into reality, there's this compelling document by the EU, the role of artificial intelligence in the European Green Deal. It's a blueprint, really, showcasing how AI can bolster our efforts to combat climate change, preserve biodiversity and move towards a sustainable economy. This isn't just about policy or tech in isolation. It's about how they converge, steered by thoughtful design, to build a future we can all look forward to. And today, we'll dissect this document, drawing on insights from designers, policymakers, and technologists who are making this synergy between AI and environmental sustainability a reality. So if you are, as we are, passionate about design, you're curious about the potential of AI, and you're dreaming of a greener, more sustainable world, this episode is for you. So Jacob, as you know, I've been deeply immersed in integrating design principles within circular economy initiatives. And just to clarify for our listeners what we mean by circular economy... It's an innovative approach to production and consumption that aims to keep resources in use for as long as possible. Imagine a system where everything we create is designed to be reused, repaired, refurbished or recycled, effectively turning potential waste into a valuable resource again. This is about crafting a self-sustaining loop inspired by nature where every material has enduring value and purpose. It's a model that not only seeks to safeguard our environment, but also to redefine our economy 
in ways that are both sustainable and resilient, ensuring the longevity of our planet's resources for future generations. A lot of the development in this area is being driven by the EU's Green Deal, an ambitious plan to make the European Union the first climate neutral continent by 2050. And interestingly, the EU believed that AI and automation is going to be central to achieving this. Lucky for us, they've created quite a dense document about the role of AI in implementing the potential of the European Green Deal. It sheds light on six specific innovative ways that AI can propel the circular economy forward, showcasing the critical role technology plays in our journey towards a more sustainable and efficient future. So the six ways, Jacob, that mm -hmm. the document outlines, I'm just going to give the flyover of the six. I really recommend people go and read this document themselves. We'll obviously link to it in the show notes. This episode, we want to give you a taste of some of these things. So the six ways this document talks about it are AI in product design, digital product passports, AI in waste management, monitoring and supplier selection, matching algorithms for second-hand platforms, and AI-supported predictive maintenance. The first one, AI and product design. AI can help in creating products with longer lifetimes. It can, for example, suggest eco-friendly designs and adjust designs based on environmental parameters. And this is something we're seeing in lots of businesses. What was once purely designed by humans now you can use different AI tools to just give many different versions and you can give parameters around trying to be more recyclable, for example, or enable more reuse. And suddenly the AI comes up with lots of different product designs. Mm. The second, they're called product passports, but they're essentially a way of tracking a product all the way through its life cycle. So these passports, every single product will have its own documentation that gives detailed information and full transparency about what's been used in it and how it's been used and where it is in its life cycle. And having that traceability is going to open up a lot of different potential ways for individual products like a mobile phone or, or even a cup to see how they can be reused and tracked. It gives that visibility. Yeah. I think it's hard to overstate how difficult it is to keep track of everything that is being produced today. Like, there is no way that we manually could ever keep track of anything really like stuff just ends up in places in the in the ground most of the time i think but we need to be able to to monitor the export of garbage for example we need to make sure that we understand where all the plastic all the cars all the bicycles where, where do they end up because it's not really here old cars and trucks they're shipped off to other countries where they're run for sort of a one other cycle which is which can be good but if we don't keep track of it we have the risk of of not being able to really do these sustainable cha changes so without ai we don't have that visibility but with ai in the near future it's already happening with lots of uh, companies are creating these digital passports this yeah. thread that follows their products all the way through from how they're built, what suppliers they've used, and then all the way through to end of life. And this is the key to having that producer responsibility. Absolutely, yeah. Like without this, it's impossible for governments to tell companies that, oh, you need to keep track of the garbage that is at the end of this product's life cycle, or you need to make sure that there is no garbage, that we recycle, upcycle, do all the good things that we need to do. And this is the, in my mind, only way that we can actually achieve that. Definitely. And kind of on that point, what we're seeing is the responsibility is going to fall more. If you're producing items, you're going to 
ultimately become more responsible for what happens at the end of their useful life. And the third point that the EU say that AI can really help with achieving the goals of the Green Deal are in waste management. Mm. So I think we've definitely seen, haven't we, in these waste sorting facilities, things would once done by hand, literally people picking out plastic. Now there are robot arms and using sensors in order to sort the waste. And there's hope that AI technologies are going to be able to transform how we inspect, sort, separate and disassemble products at the end of their life cycle, enabling us to circulate those materials back into the economy. And I think it's interesting because I saw this, it must have been 10 years ago, uh, in a battery sorting plant where they they just got bins of mixed batteries that came into a facility. And what they did was they, they put them on a conveyor belt and it's just mixed. And then as they approach different hatches along the way of that conveyor belt, they used compressed air to just shoot a little jet of air towards batteries that they had identified with the computer vision. And what we need to happen in these cases where, okay, so the technology is actually not that new, but we're seeing now that the technology is getting so so cheap that it's scalable in a way that it hasn't been before. And I think that's one thing that the the paper outlines, that these technologies are now getting to a price point where it actually makes sense to do these sorting machines for waste. And I think that's really hopeful. Definitely. The fourth area is as there's this greater awareness, all the producers are realizing they're going to be responsible. And that means they have to be more diligent when it comes to choosing their suppliers. And they're putting more criteria on suppliers to make sure that they are also being as sustainable as possible. But that's really hard to keep track of because there's a lot of data there and a lot of things to follow up on. But AI is going to enable tracking and monitoring of components and materials through their life cycle and will help companies with efficient selection and monitoring of suppliers. So it's going to help with that too. For sure. Fifth of the six is algorithms that are going to help match for secondhand platforms. So in this circular economy, things will go through many uses and you might have a first user of a product, but then there's a second user and it might be actually repurposed for an entirely different type of use. Mm. What AI is going to be able to improve the efficiency of these secondhand markets, connecting users with the products they need and therefore promoting the reuse of goods. I'm This one really excites me because I can really foresee there being this crazy time ahead of us where companies are going to vie for being at the center of these algorithms and making sure that they own the platforms for remanufacturing and reselling and repurposing and redistributing it out into consumers' hands again and to to industrial companies and and all of this stuff. And the reason for that is quite simple. Like It's good for a company to make money of creating a product and and selling it, right? But then what if you can take that same material, do something with it and sell it again? Exactly. And then a third time. It's fantastic. It's the best business idea ever. Like We're not putting any more material or... And in some cases, maybe not even that much work into it. And we're getting double the money. Great. Yeah, it's great for business. And that's why we're going to see a lot more of these secondhand platforms. And they will be supported and powered by AI. And and, and I I think the, the app store frenzy, this is one potential area where companies might get that same vying for for position as as was with the app stores about 10 10 years ago yeah definitely 
And then finally, the sixth point relates to predictive maintenance. So that's where you have sensors or other ways of getting data about a way a product is being used or the health of, of the product so that you don't run things until they fail. You can see there's a slight issue with this mm. steel pressing machine or a slight issue with my toaster in my kitchen and that you are able to do proactive maintenance to make sure that the life extends. So AI is crucial to enabling these predictive maintenance tools and ensuring that resources are used for longer and more efficiently. Yeah. And what really happened now with these algorithms and the software being so much more powerful than it was just a couple of years ago and the, the, the distribution of people having access to these algorithms, we're no longer looking at this as a sensor problem where we need to put sensors on everything to a software problem where by just taking a couple of measurements, we're able to make quite advanced analysis, right? It's so much cheaper to just do calculations on, so oh, we see that this part of the factory is warmer, I don't know, warmer and noisier. Yeah, That probably means that something is happening with some moving component somewhere. Something is rattling and making a lot of noise, therefore it's hotter. And yeah. we can, from there, like, it's this, it's this oversimplification, but that is no longer a sensor problem, that we need to put sensors everywhere. That's going to make a huge difference. Exactly. And it's the AI doing that heavy work of analyzing these different, more general signals and noticing patterns and therefore being able to do far better, far cheaper, really, being the main uh, benefits, predictive maintenance. What we also found when we looked through this article, and this was actually, I think this was why I got so excited about it, because this this article from the EU, because you sent me an, an example of something. And that's what I think is the most fun part of this whole document is the examples of areas where it actually, there is some progress being made and where they can see things happening. And I think for me, smart agriculture is one of the areas where I'm most excited about things happening. When it comes to the world, I think food security and also the, the footprint that food has on our planet really makes it an area of concern where we need to put a lot of effort into it. What we can do now that we couldn't before is we can go back to sort of practices from, from older times where you manually went out to the fields and picked out weeds and, uh, and pests and things like that. You could just yeah. brush them off. And by using uh, computer vision and AI technology, that's one thing where we can actually make a big difference. And you can also use AI and satellite data, for example, to make sure that we use water in a very efficient way and that we are using fertilizer in a good way. It's just one area where I feel like there's a lot of things happening and we, we can really make huge differences to how we live. For example, and I think this is a really interesting one, is maybe this technology can enable us to move away from these large monoculture farms with just wheat on a field and it's just wheat as far as you can see yeah but by having this sort of more dynamic system where you have machines that can actually recognize what's going on maybe we can mix up things without sacrificing too much efficiency and therefore making a more robust system yeah i think, I think yeah i think we're gonna do an episode on this in its own right because there's so much happening in that space isn't there jacob yeah. you've been sending me videos where 
a laser was going and able to identify what parts were weeds or what shouldn't oh, yeah, be yeah. growing and just zapping it yeah. and therefore reducing the need to use uh, pesticides. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you would think that laser shooting robots <laughs> that, that kill things is, is yeah. concerning, but it's actually one of the more hopeful things that I've seen in a long time. And I'm, I was really happy when I saw it. There is a lot going on in this space yeah. of agriculture. If you listeners have any use cases that you've seen please send them through or any mm. listeners who are working in this space would be interested to talk to you. So definitely this is a key area and it comes through in this document. Yeah. Was there anything else that stood out to you, Jacob? I, I like the energy efficiency thing. It's kind of mm. a dry subject, but it's so important. Like enhancing the way that we can take care of and utilize energy, use energy when it's abundant, redirect energy to where it's needed. All of these things are are such a, a big strain on our ecology and our, our environment. And just being able to do that better, I think that alone, to me, feels like one place where we keep hearing about AI and the problems of energy usage, right? That's a concern. Like It's not cheap to run these algorithms and train them specifically is is very taxing on on the environment and my hope is that some of these things will actually offset that quite effectively and then we can go much further than that and do things really really well and i'm hopeful i'm i'm feeling hopeful about our environmental situation for the first time in a long time a lot of these things on the surface they're, they're kind of quite a dry topic energy efficiency another one that's dry but it's hugely impactful is around how we ensure that these environmental regulations we're actually ensuring compliance with them and, and monitoring of them mm. and this is another area that ai can actually really help and mm. um, it can help inform so these complex regulations can be explained in yep. a more natural language to the people who are actually working with the things instead of being things that only some lawyer understands. Right. AI can help interpret these things, but it can also help monitor and enforce em environmental standards and policies as well. Right. And then one that made me laugh, not so much for the, the topic, but we have the mobility section. There's a lot of really cool stuff that's going on with mobility and AI, like making sure that we route traffic in an efficient way, that we have transport systems that are efficient. And that, that makes a huge difference. Can we make sure that we don't send empty trucks, for example, when we're shipping something somewhere, we should make sure that it can go and pick something up somewhere else on the way. And by just doing that, we can have the, the emissions from that trip. But then they also talk about autonomous vehicles. And if someone has listened to our episode about autonomous vehicles, we had the guest Drew Smith, and he wasn't very impressed with autonomous vehicles as a phenomena. And the EU seemed to agree. They don't think that it's a, a path towards a sustainable future. It's more of a way to get more people on the road, which is maybe not what we want. And they are sort of looking for other ways to use AI rather than just autonomous cars as we know them today. So I find that that's a, a bit funny. I chuckled when I re-listened to Drew's episode because he, he's very clear on what he thinks on it. If you want to check that out, we'll leave that in the comments because it's a really good episode. So thank you to the EU and the authors of this paper for producing such a, a detailed, thorough document that outlines so many different ways that AI and automation 
help support these transformations. We really appreciate the sure. work. We really recommend that people go and read this document for themselves. But we hope that this episode has also given you a flyover of some of the different use cases and that you'll be able to talk about these. Maybe if you don't have time to read the very long PDF that Jacob and I have gone through. Thank you for listening to Designing the Robot Revolution. My name is Jacob Magnol. And I'm David Griffith-Jones. Thank you for joining us and have a great day. Did you see that thing about a deep fake in Hong Kong financier transferred? I think it's like $25 million to a company. And he had a Teams call where everyone on the Teams call was a deep fake. They'd gone and made, made deep fakes of the CFO and the oh, management wow. leadership of like four or five different leaders of this company. He got an invite in this request saying, please transfer 25 million to this account. And he was really suspicious, as you would be. Yeah. But then they invited him to this team's call and there were five deep faked people all yeah. there. And he, yeah, he sent the money. Jesus, that's... We, we have safe words now, me and my wife. 